You're listening to the Sarcasm Sisters podcast. Don't forget to visit our Facebook page, Sarcasm Sisters. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Jan. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? How's it going for you? Well, good, but I've been missing you here on Sarcasm Sisters. I know. It's been a while. When was our last podcast on Sarcasm Sisters? Well, we had a podcast a couple of episodes in March of 2019, which is the year that we're producing this, but it's April now, and we're well overdue. I know. Well, it's almost the end of April. We better get busy. Oh, we got to get busy chatting. What are we going to talk about today? What do you got lined up for us? Well, a couple of things, and they're sort of related. We need to follow up on our niceness conversation, our um, recent episode that was very popular, I think, because it included Tom Ward, was I was nice (laughs) once. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good title. I was nice once. And I, during the episode, we decided that we would try to find some data on being nice. And so I have found some data that is on being nice, and I wanted to share that with the listeners. And then we also wanted to talk about a little inspiration that you and I both shared on Sunday, which happened to be Easter Sunday and was also the first day of Passover. Okay, cool. So what is the story about being nice? I mean, I would think that, so my own impression of being nice is that overall, you feel better as a person when you're nice. Because mm, mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't sound like I really like being nice the way I said that. But I, but that's just my sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, what there have actually been a lot of studies done on being nice. And one of those studies was done by the University of Buffalo. What they were studying in Buffalo was the hormone receptors they're actually part of our our genetic makeup there are two hormones that are responsible for love and generosity and all those um, happy touchy feely and traits that some people have and those two hormones are oxytocin and vasopressin now most people can make both of those hormones but some people are genetically favorable to receiving those hormones. They have the right neuron receptors to tap into these nice hormones that our brains are producing. And so what that means is good news. First, most people can produce these hormones, and therefore, most people can be nice. However, there are people who have genetic makeup that lets them, oh, access the hormones more than others. And so there are, there are genuinely people who have a physical makeup to be nice, to be generous, more than your average person. Well, I, that seems to be rings true, doesn't it? When you think, you know, how much life we lived and the... The number of people that you meet in your lifetime, I seems some people are more predisposed to being nice than others. 
I think my grandmother was maybe the most disposed and I'm sort of in the middle. And I think there are, I have been certainly encountered my fair share of people who I don't think had those hormone receptors at all. Mm -hmm. But um, oddly enough, there was another study done on being nice by the University of British Columbia. Now, who better to study niceness than Canadians? <laughs> do you know any Canadians? Um, I do. No, I mean, not super well, but I do. I know a couple. My friend um, Patty, who co-authored the book Friends for Life with, with me, um, it's World Book Day, by the day, by the way, so we should give some plugs at the end to all of our books. Um, but my friend Patty spends her summers in Canada, and she really just truly has some of the nicest neighbors. And I work with a, a couple of Canadians, and, and they, too, are just quite nice. And so their study a actually took a look at what happens when we are nice and what those hormones do to our body. And it's all the good things. Being nice actually helps reduce inflammation. It can help relieve stress. It's good for our hearts. Lots of things like that. Well, I think when you're not nice, like if you go the opposite way, so if you're just living your life not being a nice person, I think you really create so much angst in your life. For me oh. personally, it would be like, I just think, you know, being a nice person works out. It lowers my heart rate, makes me more mindful. It's just easier. You're not creating all this extra additional stress in your life because you're looking to start an argument with someone, which is kind of what the opposite of being nice is. It's that being nice is like getting along with people, finding a way to get along to the best of your ability without caving in on, say, you know, your stance on something. You know, you could agree to disagree kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and not nice sometimes can be uh, pretty pretty severe it could be almost like bring it on let's have an argument well and the, and here's the thing being being nice is contagious so we actually can produce oxytocin when we see someone else being nice it improves our optimism it makes us have more self-esteem ourselves and so therefore if we see other people being mean then we're not going to produce as much oxytocin that day, right? And so then mm -hmm. other people now are influencing our happiness and potentially our health. So that's why, I mean, it's just a good piece of advice is to hang out with people who are nice. Yeah, I agree. Much better to be nice. And we've, you know, we've been, you and I have both been in groups on social media um, which I guess really just means Facebook because not, and you know, there's no such thing as a group in Twitter or Instagram that I'm aware of. So, you know, on Facebook, various groups where things deteriorate into not being nice, and then you find yourself not being nice as well, and um, sharing things that maybe don't need to be shared or saying things that you wouldn't normally say. And then I think that creates a lot of angst. It does for me anyway. I mean, I guess I really can't speak for other people, but. It does for me. It's a lot easier to be nice. Like, like as a teacher, this is a great example. As a teacher, I was really nice as a teacher until I couldn't be. And that, and that would be because you gave, you can't be so nice that you get run over. That's just wrong. And that can happen to people who are nice people. 
yeah and a- even professionally so it would happen with um students not my i worked for a great administration when i was teaching um so i i never had that experience that my administration was treating me poorly or or you know sort of not nice but i mean i had so times when i had students that you just couldn't give any more chances to a student you know you just had to get the work done and yeah. i i would be nice and say, okay, well, you need to have it on my desk by three o'clock today. This is your very last chance. And I had one student one time who just didn't do what they needed to do. Well, I, ha- I had a few of them, but this one comes to mind. And I I um, knew where her fourth period was, which was the end of our day. We had four periods every day. We had a block schedule, 90 minutes each class. And it was a friend of mine who was teaching. And I sent her a message and I said, I'm coming down to talk to so <laughs> And she said, oh, boy. And I said, well, I'm coming down. Margie, it, just let me say what I have to say. Because if she doesn't do what she needs to do, she's not passing this course. But this is the end of the line. There's no more time left. And I did. I stuck my head in the door. And I said, if that you have three minutes now to go get that packet of that you had to finish and get it into my classroom or you're not passing for this year. I've been beyond nice and I walked out and that packet was there almost before I got back to my classroom. I think I took a little detour, you know, to give her a chance to do it. But, but there are times when you just really have to draw a hard line. And I think sometimes we can be overly nice and get walked all over. And so it's it's figuring out what is the fine line between being nice and being too nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's a nice distinction. Nice and too nice. (laughs) And I think there's something but there's something kind about about holding people to deadlines, truly. Um, I, I think there is a special kindness in that. Um, and not necessarily because I feel like we need to teach everybody a lesson, but their debt life is about deadlines and meeting them and being nice to the other people who have are adhering to these deadlines too, for whatever reason. Yeah, I agree. And of course, I was in the business of teaching lessons, so lessons were not always uh, what the objective was of the day. Sometimes it was life lessons that had to be learned. School is a is a high school, elementary school, middle school. Those are all uh, big fields of learning. Very diverse lessons come from being in the school environment. Mm-hmm. For the children and the adults. Yeah, I learned a lot when I was a teacher. Like there was students, man. I'm telling you what. Walk in your classroom and you see like really funky hair, like hair super spiked up. Like, I mean, like a foot spiked, like, I don't mean like a little <laughs> spike, you know, and and maybe the hair color is like bright orange or something. And they have all kinds of piercings, like in their nose and in their lips and their tongue. And, you know, and they, and you end up walking in there feeling I mean, I'll say it like judgmental, like, oh, my God, who is this kid? He kind of makes me nervous. This is not the walk of life that I have. And so many of my students taught me that it's not what you look like. It's who you are inside. That's what matters. It's getting to know those kids. They really I really learned a lot. I learned a lot of patience as a teacher. Well, we may have to do another episode about patience. Oh, yeah, we could do that. That would be good because sometimes I don't have patience at all. But when it comes to kids, I have a lot. When it comes to kids, people who are struggling, I have a, usually have an infinite amount of patience. Well, I have high blood pressure, and I think we may have talked about this in the past, but um, it's 
when I'm having issues with it, I, I will have less patience. That's just a, a physical side effect. But um, just one last fun fact about niceness is that um, actually being nice can lower your blood pressure. And that came from a doctor named Dr. David Hamilton. Um, and what he found is that uh, when we release oxytocin, that, that happy love um, giving hormone, it also uh, causes uh, nitric oxide to be released, which helps dilate our blood vessels and lower our blood pressure. So how do you combat that then? You have two things going on. Your blood pressure is high. And I'm talking specifically about you. Yeah. Uh, so you're struggling with your, um, your blood pressure. It's higher than it should be, which makes you feel less patient, kind of, maybe kind of agitated or anxious or both. So your, your patience is less, but if you were more patient and you were, you were feeling kinder and nicer, you probably could lower your blood pressure in general. Or well, my you, if one... you have a physiological reason, if that's even the right word, or a physical reason for high blood pressure. Well, I think the number one thing that you, that, that I did, since we're being specific to me, um, and this is one reason why we have a podcast, because I have been a little bit sick from this blood pressure for, uh, had to change my medicine. But one thing I did was start, was just be extra nice to myself. Um, I didn't do a couple of things that I, um, that, that were on my to-do list and I didn't, uh, I didn't say yes to some things that in the past I would have because I just needed to rest. And um, I feel better. My blood pressure is um, once again under control. I'm very happy with my new medication. I'm happy with my doctors at Mayo Clinic where I go. And I'm happy with my friends who understood what I was going through. <laughs> and um, certainly with my employer for, you know, it, being accommodating of all of that stuff. And I think on Sunday is when I, I was, we were texting each other. It was Easter. And I was starting to saying, you know, I'm, I'm having this, this moment, this Easter moment. And I think, um, I want to, I want to take some inspiration from that and do a mindset reset. <laughs> but I love that though. When I was, I was in church with Kate, and um, the priest was talking about, he had, he had short, a short homily, you know, I mean, we're Catholics, so we go to Catholic church and when they're during the mass, there's a point at which they have a homily, which I guess translates to a lecture or, you know, when the priest or the deacon kind of has a free for all, you know, they might explain what the scripture was. They might ask you to think about how it could relate to your life. And her, the priest in her church is actually very good at simplifying the message. And so his message this Sunday was um, on Easter Sunday that when the stone is moved, we have a chance for a new life. And it made me think about what you were saying about, you know, resetting, you know, a mindset reset. And that's really what that's all about on Easter is giving us an opportunity to reset ourselves and build build ourselves back up to where we want to be or surpass where we were, you know, just kind of make new, um, you know, some new pathways for ourselves. Well, that's right. Life is all about 
the path you take and the choices you make and, you know, any day, it doesn't have to be Easter, but is a good day to take a look at your choices and your path and decide where you're going to go. I agree. So what are you going to do that's different, Jen? Well, first, I'm going to take a pause so that we can uh, play a message from our sponsor. We're trying to be very responsible podcasters these days. And um, But before we do that, I'm going to do something nice and thank our 1,200 listeners. We've reached 1,200 listens of Sarcasm Sisters, which I think is phenomenal, especially because we haven't really done anything with it for a month. We're so sorry. Um, um, and our, I want to thank everybody who specifically has listened to Worst Case Scenario, our most listened to podcast. Um, and if you listened to Worst Case Scenario and then you didn't listen to the follow-up episode about you know, how everything resolved for Mary after the hurricane, you should go back. Go back and listen. Oh, I, sh- I just reshared that Worst Case Scenario because we're getting to hurricane season again. And I thought it would be a perfect crossover share with this caregiver life on the Facebook page of this caregiver life. Maybe, maybe that's why I see a bump in that. Cause I basically asked that question. Are you ready for hurricane season? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. And probably most people aren't. And remember, we're only saying the C word when we use titles. So good job on that, Mary. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and we'll be right back. All right. So we're back now and we're all set to talk about our mindset reset. Um, <laughs> I don't really have any specific sort of to do's with r- relation to that. Like, but I just want to have a different attitude about things. We talked earlier about this, the social media group that we were part of and how it was a, it kind of felt more negative than positive to me most days. And that's why I left because I have to have more positive than negative in my life. I just do. But those kind of things can happen anywhere. It can happen with the people that you're hanging out with at the water cooler. It can happen at your favorite, you know, maybe restaurant lounge where you go a couple times a week and you hang out with sort of the same people. Or maybe it's the people at your bowling league. But we can all sort of get trapped in that negativity zone. It's easy to get trapped in the negativity zone. I think it is, um, especially because... When, I think when you juggle a lot, and we're not the only ones that juggle a lot. I think a lot of people juggle a lot of different roles in their life today. Um, and there can be periods of time where it feels like all of those balls that you're juggling, all those different roles that you're juggling, when one seems to fall apart and need more attention, and then another one falls apart and needs attention, and then a third one falls apart and needs attention, you can feel yourself going down that rabbit hole of negativity and you kind of latch on to other people who will help you go even further down the negative rabbit hole. And, and that's when it's important, really important when you feel that happen, at least for me. So I'll qualify that is to pull myself back, which is why I also left that group because I felt that that was pulling me way down under And I struggle so much already in my life with some very heavy responsibilities um, and always uh, a level of anticipatory grief that's with me day and night, 24-7. I literally get up in the middle of the night thinking about those things. I don't need more negativity. I don't need to be encouraged to go down that path. 
And so I pulled myself back and I brought myself into a group of people that I know very well in terms of what they do as a group. I'd been in it before. I've stayed in it for a long time and I participate and then I sometimes I don't participate, but they all get that that anticipatory grief and it's okay to share there and it doesn't go anywhere else. And that's a good yeah. place because then I can, I can contain that there. And, it, and nobody in that group knows other aspects of my life or my background, what I do for a living, unless you choose to share it. But when you get into smaller groups, I think that's when it can be really difficult. So I think we both seem to be uh, on a road to changing our mindsets in the last month or so. Yeah. And that, and I, I've had a really unique experience to be in this job where I'm a public speaker. And I, you know, when you make a profile on LinkedIn or Instagram, sometimes you have to choose like your profession or your, your job. And so I, I've chosen motivational speaker. I've had people tell me I'm motivating. I have a call to action. You know, I, Experience. I have quotes and do storytelling and all the things that a motivational speaker would do. But I don't really feel that way on the inside a lot of the time. So I'm out there and I'm doing this and I'm sharing my message and I, I know I'm impacting people because they tell me and I hear about it. But then on the, and then on the inside of me though, I don't always feel that way. And I don't, I don't want to say like, I'm going to feel like, you know, Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar all the time. I, that's not what I'm looking for, but I do want to feel that way more often than just when I'm in front of an audience. Well, I think part of that is, you know, if we talk about, well, you know, the initial conversation on this podcast of being nice, I think be, I think being a giving person makes you feel better as a person in general. So if you're giving more, which is what you do when you speak, you get, you're giving your audience your story. You're giving them some f- feelings of, you know, that they can relate to. Um, your story ends well, but you also shared your struggles and how you and James have fought through some of those struggles together, sometimes separately, um, and then always coming back together again. And being intact as a family. And that I think that's really important. And maybe maybe that's what, what happens with people is they hear your story and you're giving your story away so that people can feel better, which then in turn makes you feel better. Maybe you don't always see it that way or feel feel it that way, but it comes across as motivating and inspirational because it is. People who are motivating and inspiring are are giving of themselves. I certainly hope that's how people walk away feeling when they hear me speak. There's um, getting back to a little bit more of that nice data, but uh, there was a research study done at Emory and they actually identified what I feel when I come off of the stage and it's called a helper's high. Um, And you can actually feel better than the people that you're helping feel from the experience. Like, And I guess what I'm looking for, and maybe I have a bit of an addiction here, but I'm looking to have more of that feeling just in my everyday life. Mm, That would be hard to have every day. Yeah, right. And it's hard to come off of it and it's hard to not have it. Did you ever have this experience where um, 
you had that feeling like that kind of that high, like things have really gone well, you've been accomplished that day. And you're the only one who knows that you're the only one who's feeling that kind of high from it. And then you come home and nobody knows that, but you think that they should know that (laughs) and nobody's in a good mood. (laughs) Nobody's feeling your joy. It's such an insult to your home, your whole thought process. Well, without going in a, going deep with that. Yes, I know that exact feeling. (laughs) And it is very important, I think, to surround yourself with people that, um, that don't take that away from you. Like that's a, such a huge, wonderful part of my life that I never expected to happen. When I took this job as, as a part of the Wounded Warrior Project Warrior Speak team, I never anticipated that, that this would come from it. And that, Every day that I spoke or even even just every day in general, I would constantly be thinking, okay, what what can I do? What can I give my audiences? What can I give other people in my network? What can I, I give these um, hidden heroes who are in my, my Facebook group that I manage for the Elizabeth Dole Foundation? You know, that's the feeling that I have. And I don't feel like it's work except, you know, when I have to do a report or admin tasks or I'm, or my blood pressure is sky high. (laughs) Yeah, that's understandable though. I get that. I don't feel that as much as I used to. I'll just be honest about that. I think I spent my whole career serving people and I loved it. I was in um, healthcare administration. We've talked about that in the first season. Um, The various jobs I've had, they've always been in the nonprofit sector, including education, which is nonprofit as well. You know, it's a sort of a non-governmental organization in a sense, or I don't know, it's a nonprofit, whatever you're serving people. I've served thousands and thousands of people since I uh, came back into the workforce in my thirties and I enjoyed it. I always liked being able to do things for people and it was, it's really gratifying to know that I helped them out. Like some of the people that I helped out that were, that was particularly gratifying as adults were when I was a program director for the Duke Center for Macular Degeneration. I would help people out in various parts of the country. I had all kinds of cool resources for them. They were often very lonely when they um, had advanced macular degeneration because they couldn't drive and they were otherwise healthy. Um, and that was really cool. I really loved all of that. Through my whole career, I've loved that. Um, And I don't feel that way anymore. I feel really focused on what I need to do at home and in my family here. And I'm really, I'm really ready to give myself some time that I would advocate for other people. Like like if I heard other, if other people shared a similar story that I have, um, I would say it's time for you to give back to yourself. I'm 59 and a half and I'm really ready for that. And it's, and I don't even feel guilty about it, which I think I would have at one time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that you're fulfilled in ways that you probably never dreamed that you would be, even in this, you know, horrible place where you are with the, you know, evil ALS living in your house. But somehow you're fulfilled. I agree. And I feel like I, um, I'm not as nice to Tom when I'm caring for a lot of other people and helping them out. And that I just, because I lose my patience more 
And that's not good. When you see that start happening, it means it's time to step back. It means I'm, I'm not serving uh, the, my relationship, my marriage, like I should be. He only, he only has X amount of good time left on this earth. And I, I really feel strongly that this is our time right now. Like we're never going to have retirement. Um, this will be the best that we have in the next coming months. A year from now is going to be a whole different picture. So um, it's time really to do this. And I, I feel really good about it. But I, but, you know, since we were talking about being nice, I don't always feel nice when I'm, when I'm really short on my patience with, you know, having to struggle for other people. Right? And sometimes even just hearing their stories is, is overwhelming. So it's interesting to find yeah. ourselves at these different places in life, you know? I agree with that. Um, absorbing other people's stories takes a lot out of you. And um, I still, like for me, I still want to do it. I'm 47 and I, you know, took a break from my career, but I have to plan to rest from it too. Right. Well, and you were also very sick a few years ago. So you really do need to, um, you know, sepsis is no joke. And you have to really, even years later, you still have to be cognizant of how sick you were so you don't get sick like that again. I think your immune system is in, is impacted forever when you have sepsis. I think so too, because I had a little cold in March. Um, my friend, Julie, who was a guest on a previous episode, came to visit me in Florida and spent a bunch of her time taking care of me, which was, that's just a beautiful thing. But I was thinking about that because I was sick over a month ago and I'm just now feeling better. Like I have my, just now have my strength back. I'm still dehydrated a bit. And it's just, you talked about it. You had, we had a whole episode about sepsis on this caregiver life. Um, but man, it's no joke. And I'll tell you, sepsis is so painful. It, it's difficult to even be nice when you feel that much pain. No, it's true. I see it here. You know, that the episode that we did, we talked about Tom having had sepsis. And here, what is he like two months out from it? And well, I don't think he'll ever be the same. The complication of ALS is there and diabetes. So that, that just makes it all that much more difficult for him to recover from all of that. But having seen it firsthand, I can see just how painful it is and he wasn't even as bad as some people are you know with sepsis like he wasn't in ICU he wasn't intubated from it he didn't lose any limbs from it thank god um and I can see like in his situation how difficult it was for him so uh, you have to be careful with yourself so I guess I guess in a way you know when you think about talking about being nice and being patient and kind I think all those words kind of kind of work together there. I think it's always important not to let yourself get overrun. Um, and being being nice can really, um, I, I don't know, it being overly nice can really cause problems. I, I've had that a lot in my life. I'm not I'm not good at pulling back. Like I'll just say yes, and I'm I'm learning. You're encouraging me to say no. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, it's like. Uh... It's like that old Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold them and you got to know <laughs> yeah. when to fold them and you got to know when to walk away. I know. You have to be nice to yourself too. Maybe that's really an important concept that we we um, share on this podcast today. Being nice to yourself first is probably the most important thing. Yeah, it really is. And on that note, guess what I did today? Get out. What'd you do? I booked a, I booked a massage appointment. Woohoo! I'm envious. That's great. I can't. 
can't wait. And it's on a work trip too, but you know, it's in the evening. So um, it's going to be at my hotel. It's going to be so easy to just slide in there, get a massage, have a nice, nice sleep and, uh, and feel rejuvenated. So I did that nice thing for myself on the, the theme of uh, having a mindset reset. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of diabetes and our favorite, our, f- our favorite uh, ALS guest, <laughs> <laughs> we've only had one, our favorite Yankees fan guest for sure. Um, did Tom ever get a Boston cream pie? <laughs> no, he didn't. He mentioned it several times in the I Was Once Nice podcast. He did? In reference to what? The Yankees? <laughs> you guys were talking about dinner, and, and he wanted to know what time you were eating, what you're going to have, and, <laughs> and, he, and he, when he really wanted some Boston cream pie. So. That's so funny. I don't think I've ever made a Boston cream pie. I wonder where he got that from. He went on a run where he really wanted donuts. I don't even know why. Talk about bad for you, like diabetes. We're trying to keep them off insulin, you know? Uh, And I got him the donuts, too. And I'll tell you why. So I'm just an enabler here. Oh, no. (laughs) I felt really bad. You know, here's this guy. He's got ALS. He's got diabetes. He just had sepsis. He had his gallbladder out. He had his kidney. His liver was a mess. And I with the sepsis and I felt really bad he doesn't drive and I thought I'm just gonna make believe I'm not getting him donuts but I'm gonna take him to the donut store and let him go buy them himself and let him get and I'm just gonna not say anything I'm not gonna criticize him I'm not gonna judge him I'm just gonna let him have whatever donuts he wants to have down by the beach with some water with some coffee um, in the thermos and just call it a day let the guy have his donuts Damn it. Already. Have you donuts? Damn it. That could be a title for a next one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So also Tom was very excited about the upcoming Yankee season. It was still spring break then. And uh, just wondering how are the Yankees doing this season? The Yankees are doing great. I recorded last night's game for them because they were playing the angels out in uh, California. So it was on at 10 o'clock last night. And the game went 14 innings last night. And the this, oh. is, this would be his bleacher report. I should um, have him give the bleacher report. We we need to. We talked about having a little sports segment because we know we have a lot of uh, we had a we have a lot of sports fans listening to us. So we should probably have Tom do that. Tom could do on the next podcast if we want him to. He could do his little spiel on how baseball is the game of life. Well, listeners, let us know. Do you want do you want Tom to, to impart his baseball knowledge on you? We'll we'll put a little poll on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash sarcasm sister. Yeah, but you're missing know. if you don't hear Tom give a spiel on something. Right? <laughs> just let him have the floor, and he'll talk about the Yankees. Well, I was watching the uh, the Mets Phillies Subway s- series last night, and uh, uh, the boy, the Mets just they they didn't shut out the Phillies. It was five one, but it was a it was a normal uh, a normal game, normal length, nine innings, and uh, it was cold. You could see people in the stands with their hoodies mm-hmm. up and. You know, a lot of th- lot of empty seats, a lot of fair weather fans. Where they play there. in Philly or the Mets in New York? Um, no, I think they were in New York. Oh, 
Well, he loved the games this weekend. Aaron Judge got thrown at uh, – not Aaron Judge. Um, Bryce Harper? No. Oh, God. Bryce Harper got ejected last night. Who's the coach on the – the manager on the Yankees? Um, oh, oh, oh. Um, the Yankee, we, we were talking about two different games. Oh, yeah. I was talking about, I don't know what game I was talking about. It was over the weekend. Let's see. And he got thrown. So, yeah. Well, so a, a, a Phillies player got thrown out yesterday. He, he had a big tantrum and it was kind of funny. But, um, I think, are you talking about Aaron Boone? Aaron Boone got thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? He, he argued about, um, he argued about a call that, so let's see. So I forget who hit it because I'm really bad at these things, but it would have been probably would have been a home run, um, but a fan interfered. And so the ball oh. fell back into the field and the other team, um, you know, asked for uh, a decision on that, you know, to go back and look at the replay. Yeah. And, and it looked like maybe the fan could have prevented the um, player from catching the ball. Oh. Yeah, so it was a big deal, and Aaron Boone came out. and That's like Tom's favorite thing is when somebody gets thrown out of a game. He loves it. <laughs> he also loves when, when, when ball teams fight. Like, he gets really excited well, when the bench is empty. He's like, oh, my God, look at this. The bench is empty. Look, look at that guy. He threw a punch. <laughs> Everybody like everybody likes that. It's you know you you like to see your team sticking up for themselves. Yeah, well that's why he calls it the game of life. You know the Yankees are uh, they're doing well and they still have like eighty two million dollars of payroll on the bench. I know they have a a big disabled list right now. It's crazy. It is. So go, these guys that Yankees. are coming in I'm... now playing are doing a great job. I almost hate to see them leave. <laughs> <laughs> Just, if they could just not get thrown out, that's all. <laughs> oh, just stay in the game. And, you know, like, it just goes to show you, like, even being nice in sports matters, okay? So you get thrown out, you're not doing anybody any good. No. But then, you know, you got to fight for your team. So, right, you can't get run over either. <laughs> don't get – yeah, don't get run over either. <laughs> get nowhere to draw the line. To be nice and then not to be too nice. Yeah, and then you got to know – when to walk away, you know, before blood is spilled. That's right. Well, it's sure been a pleasure getting back into sarcasm pictures with you, Mayor. Yeah, I agree. We held this at a, a pretty cool 38 minutes. It'll be 40 minutes by the time we get off. We did a good job. Yeah, and I'm I'm so thankful for all our listeners and for you, and I'm thankful for um, just everybody's patience. You know, sometimes you got to have a little mindset reset. Yep. Now we're back. Good job. Thanks for setting this up today, Jen. All right. Take care, man. All right. Till the next time. Hey, Sarcasm Sisters fans. Thanks for listening. Special shout out to our listeners in Sweden. Wow, that's awesome. We're so happy you found us. You know, some of you have expressed interest to Mara and I about being guests on the show. So if you'd like to be our guest, we'd love that too. Hit us up on our Facebook, facebook.com slash sarcasm sisters, and send us a message. Until next time, take care. <laughs>